Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hear Me See Me podcast is sponsored by Zenoti, the number one cloud software for salons and spas. Because when people feel good, they find their greatness. I am Stuart Roberts, and I'm really excited to introduce my new podcast, Hear Me See Me. It's just over five years ago, I did something that changed my life. What it did, more than I could have ever realised, it helped me. I have met some absolutely amazing people, some of the people that work in some of these places. Many of them are volunteers, but some of them, it is their job. I'd had this idea after being inspired by a guy in America I'd seen cutting hair on the streets and seeing the difference it made to the guys who were there. This is more than a job. This is a calling. Hello, this is Hear Me See Me podcast, um, and I'm Stuart Roberts, and today I'm talking to a wonderful woman who I spoke to recently on an Insta Live and I really wanted to know more about her, so that's why, hence, she's on the podcast. Today I'm talking to Charlotte Mensah. Hello. Hi, Stuart. How are you? I'm wonderful. How are you? Yeah, I'm not too bad. You um, getting ready to get out there? Yeah, just um, in the salon, just we had a few, um, a little makeover, so I'm just here, like, with the girls trying to put everything back together. So we're really excited and looking forward to opening on, on um, Saturday. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, sorry. No, we 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 just strictly just do hair. So we're like our main. You've got hair products, yeah. Yeah, hair and the products, yeah. Yeah, because the beauty um, industry hasn't been out to open up, have they? I know. All my friends in beauty are like protesting and they're really like (laughs) upset. You know, one of my friends was crying. Yeah. Like. Yeah, she goes, oh, I was all, you know, I had all my appointments set. And then now we're not sure when the date is. I'm just really upset. And, I'm, you know, she said she's very, um, yeah, she just, you know, when you just get to that point where you're just tired and you feel a bit frustrated because yeah. it's been so many months and you just want to get out. So I think she's just, um, she was really looking forward to Saturday and now it's not happening. So yeah, it's that. Anticipation of when is it going to happen? Yeah, you know. But I think for me personally, like I kept saying to her, like I actually feel the way they've done it is the best because if they let everybody out at the same time, it's not really that great in terms of the distancing. No, of course. Yeah, it's just too many people out at once. So I guess the way they're doing it, I've got a feeling it will be a few weeks. I don't think it's going to be long. No, hopefully yeah. not. For yeah, them. and I think it's good that they, they, they're staggering it so that yeah. it's not all at once, you know, because already um, even a few of our clients, they're really scared to come out. Some haven't even been out. No, I know. This yeah. is, sometime it's gonna, some of them it's going to be their first visit out, isn't it? Yeah. Like, like three months and things, yeah. you know. So um, I've, I have been out and about a bit, um, well, because I've had to. Yeah. Um, so, but I remember the first time 
I, I remember the first visit to the supermarket was surreal. Yeah. yeah. Like, you can't believe looking back from here to then yeah. how different it is because at that point, I nearly, I nearly ran out of the supermarket. I, I had a, like a panic attack. I thought I was in some sort of horror film. You know, it was, it's the weirdest thing in the world. It was. It was. I mean, for me, I remember it like just, Going to the supermarket for me was like an event. I'll get really dressed up. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, like, I really take my time because that's yeah. the, the only thing I had doing that day. So it would be, like, you know, I'll do, like, a slower walk to the, mar- you know, to the supermarket. And then, you know, you had to queue up. So it was, like you said, it was surreal. It was so different to what we're used to. And then, yeah. at the beginning as well, there was hardly any food. You couldn't buy rice, huh? you couldn't buy yeah. pasta, and I or mean... toilet roll. Toilet roll, <laughs> you know, and then flour. Flour was like, oh, yeah. a good deal. You know, I remember buying flour in this, you know, this really over-the-top organic shop, and they charged me like £7. I've never, I, I was so upset. I was like, £7 <laughs> Did you buy it from You know, it was like, I was telling my auntie about it in Ghana that look could you believe I bought flour for seven pounds she was laughing she was like, oh, she horrified when she yeah she said what does it produce diamonds when you bake it and I was like no it's just some amazing so-called brand that is like so good for you she was like oh you've just been ripped and I'm like that's all they had that's all they had and I was just like to make a cake so I ended up buying that bloody flour you know yeah yeah, but um, right. I think it's, it's more kind of you know now it's more almost normal going to the supermarket yeah. yeah. now. So that's yeah, good. yeah. I think I've still got some bits in the cupboard that I bought out of panic, and I didn't even need them or use them. So yeah. I've got, I've I think I've got a five pound bag bag of flour in there. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> crazy. Um, Charlotte, what I want to do, I, I want to, you know, um. I'd love to because we did we did chat on the on the Beauty Council podcast. Um, sorry, the the Insta Live. Yeah, the Insta Live. Uh, yeah, yeah. I found it fascinating. I thought I really want to know more. So today, would you? Can we go right back and take you know? Take me back to like the like, the young Charlotte Mensa. Oh. <laughs> the young Charlotte as a girl, yeah. and then what, what what led you into hair and that? Can you, can you so tell me that? Yeah, the young Charlotte Mensa was like. Oh, I grew up in Ghana anyway, so I was born in the UK, and my parents had just come here like two years before, so they came here around 68, and they had me in the 70s, so it was really difficult, because they had just found their seat, they just found a room to live in, and then they had me, and it was just too much, and they couldn't afford childcare, and, you know, there wasn't any family around to help with babysitting and support, so... The easier option was for them to send me back to Ghana. So at the age of three months, I went back to Ghana to live with my grandmother and my grandfather. And they were this really amazing couple. Honestly, my grandmother was this woman who could do everything. She, you know, she cooked all our food. She, everything we wore, she made it from scratch. So she would just buy fabric and then she would just, you know, like all of the grandchildren, she would just line us up measure us and then she'll make our clothes she also did our hair so growing up I always saw like you know grandma was just really this multitasking woman 
also a very strong Christian woman. So we, we, we went to church, like even on a Friday we went to church because she was this really strong believer and, and she just loved being in, in, you know, in the house of God. So she would take us to church and she had eight kids and all her eight kids had kids. So there was about 40, maybe about 46 of us that lived in this house. How many? <laughs> about you? 46, yeah. 46? What, near, almost 50? Yes. Because, well, listen, well, listen, I'm telling you, this is the honest truth. This is the honest truth. It's, it's even in my book, I mean, you know, yeah. like, well, everybody was fascinated with my tech. They were like, what? What is this in like the, you know, was it a nursery or something? It just sounds like this big, but you know what it was? It was like a compound house. So we had this house. Yeah. Yeah. And it had like um, a big sort of garden at the end of it with a big mango tree. And then we had like all the rooms were at the back. And everybody, right. we had like a kitchen in the front. And then they would just come together and cook outside. It was like a compound house. Right. I don't know if you understand what I mean by a compound yeah, house. Yeah, no, I'm, 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 I'm there. I'm yeah. There. I'm sitting under the mango tree and smelling yeah. the cooking. <laughs> I'm there. Yeah. <laughs> so, we, I mean, my, 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 my childhood from the age of, I'll say from... Three months to the age of 11, I had the most amazing time. When I say amazing, there was always lots of love. Yeah. You know, they, 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 they disciplined us. We, you know, we were, like, really well looked after, but there was boundaries. There. We weren't just, like, just running around and, you know, like, we were really, like, well-behaved children. And there was such loving grandma and grandpa. You know, grandpa and grandma were so loving. They were just... Everybody got the same love. They didn't say, oh, because this one is more special or that one. Everybody got treated the yeah. same. And we all ate together. You know, in the morning we start with our prayers. You know, it wasn't really... Yeah. Yeah, it was a very, very um, lovely, you know, environment. And I, and I always was like the one that would... Because I was like one of the older cousins. So I would always get my younger cousins and my siblings together and I'd read to them. I was always a little bit of a leader because I'd always say, oh, could you guys do this? And, you know, if you don't, I'll, I'll punish them and all sorts of things. You the enforcer. <laughs> yeah, so I always had this kind of like the bossy girl thing, you know, but I was always leading. I would always say, oh, let's play this game. And I yeah. remember we used to play games where we'd use like... um you know, the can of tin milk, we would just get two of them and then tie some fabric and make, make them into shoes. So we used to always be quite creative. We always had our own way of, you know, playing, like just different things. We used to play like lots of different games, like so many things, you know, we, we all used to do it together. And, and yeah. it, was, it was a lot. It was a lot of people living together, but there was a lot of harmony too. Because yeah. of the people that we were living with, especially how grandma and grandma was. You couldn't really misbehave because no. they were very together. For that to work, that particular, you know, that, for that to work, that would have to have that sort of rules, boundaries. Uh, and, and I think that's where, you know, people of faith uh, could manage to do that because they've, yes. they've also got that as well, haven't they? But you yes. can't do that and it just run itself. Yeah, it needs a bit of a firm hand, doesn't it, to keep everyone in line, you know. But yeah, kids, want, I think kids want that, don't they? 
Yeah, they did. And Guan, my grandpa was very much like that because he he was like, um, you know, one of the own, like, not, yeah, he was like whole own, um, a brewery. So he was like the sort of, you know, the go-getter of the family. He would, you know, go to the brewery and he had all his meetings. He drove in his big Mercedes. You know, yeah. it was like he was the, the, you know, the man of the house. So yeah. it was real respect. And, you know, at Christmas, we all got really nice gifts from him. And I, because I came from Ghana, I was a little bit like his pet. So he used to want to take me everywhere with him. Yeah. You know, so, like, I would go to some of the office meetings. I would, you know, like, it was just a bit like oh, my little, not psychic, but it was like a bit of, yeah, yeah just, you know. So everybody was always really kind of nice to me, too, because their new grandfather had a very special thing about just me being around him and stuff. So, yeah. you know, even if there was fights, nobody would try and punch me because if grandpa... <laughs> If grandpa came, if my grand, if my granddad came back from work, I'll report them and they'll get in trouble. Yeah. I would, you know, yeah. nobody, yeah, nobody had that kind of um, thing against me as such. So it was very, um, yeah, it was a lovely, lovely place to grow up. Yeah. And then um, at the age of like ten and a half, because um, I was born in the UK, there was a law where I think if you didn't get that before you're sixteen, you kind of lose your citizenship. Right. So my parents started to prepare for me to come back to um, to London, and I arrived in November 1980. Is it 1980? Yes, November 1980. Right. So November 19. No, no, no. It would have been 1981 because I was 11. Yes. Yeah, so right. it was November 1981. I arrived back in the UK, and I did not like it, Stuart. As soon as I got out, I was like, "Why does everyone look so sad?" And I'm so used to this heat. I'm used to, like, everyone's quite smiley and yeah. up and very uplifted. But it was November, so it was quite cold. Everybody had coats on. And I was just shivering because everyone had told me about this cold weather, but I didn't know what it was because I had never been in any cold weather. So I didn't know what to expect. And then came out the plane, and it was like, it just hit me. It was like, I was just shivering. So eventually... <laughs> You know, we got home, and then I met my mum, because, again, um, for 11 years, I've not lived with my mum. She would come to Ghana for a holiday, and yeah. she'd be there for two weeks. So I never really knew her. You know, I just knew the no. woman would come, but I never really had this bond like I had with my grandparents. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it was very interesting. So, at the time, they were living in an area called Stonebridge, which is in northwest London. And it was, I didn't know, it was notorious for, like, being a really bad area, no-go, lots of gangs, you know. So I arrived in this area, you know, we lived in these, um, it was a a council house, so it was a nice house, but there was loads of flats everywhere, there was loads of kids, there was loads of, like, moms with kids but no dads. It was quite, you know, it was very different to the kind of home I was coming from in Ghana. Yeah. And then... It was like getting used to that. So I, I, I was, um, you know, in the house with mum from November till January because I couldn't get into school because school had already started in September. So right. I had to wait till the following term, which was January. So the autumn term, I started my secondary school. And 
It was one of these, oh my God, you know, I don't know what I was expecting in the school, Stuart, because I went in there thinking everyone's the same, there's going to be a lot of love. I got bullied so badly because... Oh, I can imagine. Yeah, I got bullied for having short hair because in Ghana we all had very short hair. Yeah. Boy or girl, everybody had the same low cut because that was what um, the head, you know, we had rules for school and everybody had to keep their hair short and... And it was fine. Nobody, I think they did that because they felt like if you concentrate on your schoolwork rather than being so much into vanity, like if you, if you were yeah. doing hairstyles and stuff, you wouldn't, you wouldn't do well in your, in your, in your, um, in your studies. So they really yeah. pushed for boy or girl. Everybody had the same hair. Nobody had like long hair or anything. And there wasn't, it wasn't about hair and beauty and all this. It was just about being good and being early for school and doing good work and, yeah. and really knowing how to read properly and, you know, knowing, knowing your, your, your math and your English. It was never about, you know, let me pop this trend or this is a new look or, you know, but it was fine. It, we, we didn't, it didn't bother us. We all just got on with it. No, so I, no. Yeah, of course. Oh, if I was also like, androgynous, isn't it? Everyone is, it's all right. Yeah, but you know, yeah. Yeah, the good thing is, if you look at yeah. a young child from the age of about three years to, Eleven, yeah. You know, unless they had boobs, everyone kind of looked the same. Yeah, 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 yeah. Cool. yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, we all had like big cheeks and eyes. You know, yeah. nobody. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it <was> smiled. Yeah, <laughs> that's why you got bullied. You were smiling. <laughs> I was smiling too much. Of it. Yeah, far too happy for England. Yeah. So I turn up, and then I'm like, I want to be everyone's friend oh. because I'm used to so much friendliness around me. Yeah. And I didn't realize that these kids had set themselves in, like, groups. So it's yeah. like you've been an outsider now trying to fit in. And all I kept getting was like, oh, you African, you boo-boo, you this. We don't, even at lunchtime, yeah. nobody wanted to sit with you. And I used to think, what is this? Yeah. You know, this is, and I used to cry all the time. I'd go home and complain to my mom. I said, please take me back to Ghana. I cannot. There's no way I can live in this place, you know. Yeah. This is too much. The people are not nice. You know, everyone shouts at you. They even shout at the teachers. I mean, I've never seen that before. They call the teachers by their first name. I'm not used yeah. to that. I'm used to, you know, people being addressed properly, like sir or madam. It was never like this sort of yeah. aggressive behavior. And very, um, the kids to me were quite unruly, you know, because yeah. we weren't brought up like that in Ghana. So I was very different. And I think because I was different, I got picked on the most. Because I wouldn't yeah. join in to all of their nonsense, you know? Yeah. And um, so, yeah, so what happened was from about um, 11 to, to, you know, 11 and a half, like, yeah, from January till about maybe the summertime, I had a really hard time. I just could not focus because it was just really difficult. You know, no one to talk to. You're constantly being shouted at. You know, everyone just want to push past you. You were just, like, treated badly, you know? So I just did not, I didn't, I didn't actually like school for that reason, because I just thought, hmm, I don't want to go, like, you know, so eventually I made some friends, so when I did make friends, it made it a lot easier, because then you had your own little, it's like you had yeah. your team to hang out yeah. with, and your, yeah. your little to be with, but it was really, really a difficult time, and, you know, even the friends sometimes, they'll be a bit kind of like, if something is happening, they will go and join the other group. It, it was weird anyway. It was just yeah. really difficult. So I found my feet eventually. And then, you know, life started to, to look a bit more brighter. 
and you know we started having like full discos so you can come in your own dress and people saw maybe you had a nice outfit so when you come in with a nice outfit you could make friends over that as well because people would be like oh well, she looks good let's hang out with her oh right yeah yeah so then that was up until about 12 and a half I was settled um you know I had also my mum had um two other young younger children than me so my brother and my my younger sister, who was about two and a half. So my mum always used to, like, do our hair anyway. Like, she would braid it for us and wash it and stuff. So I was always, like, this home girl. Like, if I'm not at school, I'd just be at home. Because, again, like I said to you, I wasn't used to how these kids behave. So I wasn't really going to run to people's house or anything like that. I'd just be at home helping my mum. And yeah. you know, she was very particular because she was a very, very tidy woman. So... She was always cleaning stuff, like everything had to be in immaculate. And she loved cooking as well, so she'd always be making nice food for us. And just being around and just watching, like, you know, it was, it was nice. Plus, I didn't know her, so it was like, my time to get to know my mum. It's so odd, isn't it, when you say that? that it, it, I didn't know her because... I know, yeah. My grandmother, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't know her, so... You know, she was a very mighty woman, lovely woman, but she had a lot because she had eight children. By the age of 40, she had eight kids, which is a lot of kids. I'm yeah. five. Exactly. I'm an amateur. <laughs> In the 80s, growing up with eight kids is a lot. It's a yeah, lot. You know? And it's not easy. Yeah, so... You know, she always had a lot of headaches and also at the same time, even though she had all her eight kids, some of my older siblings still lived in Ghana, you see. So she would send right. money back home for my grandma to pay for their school fees. She yeah. used to send like big, big suitcases of food every month, like provisions for them to have because it's just cheaper to have yeah. stuff sent from here rather than buying it there. Yeah. So it was a lot of worry and then also looking after us that was still here with her in England. So she just used to have lots of headaches. She was always complaining. And then one day, this was around the beginning of May, she just had a really bad like headache. So the ambulance came and took her to the hospital. And then she just never made it. My mom passed away, you know? Oh. Yeah, and she was... I was like, yeah, just, I think it was about a week before my 13th birthday. So it was 13th? Late. Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah, it was so devastating. I mean, I've never, ever, like, oh, I can't even explain to you. Like, sometimes, it's like it never leaves you, that pain, you know? Yeah. You kind of get on with your life, and you, you try, and it gets it gets easier, but it's such a, you know... I think the tragedy is that you, you, you've only just got her, haven't you? Yeah. You know, it's yeah. really, like, you know, doing our girly thing, because she used to do Avon... So I used to go with her to <laughs> Good old knock on all the people's, yeah, I used to, to knock on all the neighbors' doors, yeah. collect the books, and who's ordered what, you know, and it was a good little, sort of like little business, you know, so yeah. you kind of had me into that, had to make your own little money, you get your commission, yeah. and she would say, oh, if you can sell this, then you get that, you know, right. and then you get like little creams and powder yeah. and all of this stuff. So it was really getting to be that nice closeness, like... Yeah. You know, because I watch her get dressed, I watch her put her perfumes on. It was nice, you know. Yeah, yeah. And then, yeah. So my world was shattered, like broken. When I say broken, it was just in pieces. Yeah. And then, um, yeah. So the night became like 
the kind of mum to my younger sister. I would, you know, I started to braid her hair for her, cook for her. I used to always make sure she looked nice, get her ready for nursery. You know, so I became a bit of a mum to her. Yeah. You know, because that's what my mum would do. So I would just, I just took on that role. And yeah. I think that's how I got into hair, to be honest with you, because I was never... I don't remember, like, the age of 10, 11, thinking I'm going to be a hairdresser. Never. I always thought I was going to do something in finance because of what my grandfather did. Yeah. Back in Ghana, and I always saw him in meetings, like, you know, really, like, um, you know, having these meetings and putting a deal together. So I never really saw myself as someone that was actually going to be, like, doing hair. And So when I started doing my sister's hair, it actually gave me, like, a... It was like a bit of a therapy because I would like spend two hours trying to get this hairstyle right. And most of the time it was things like braiding, so the cornrows and twisting and putting the hair in bunches. And I'll look in magazines and see what the Americans were doing. And then it was mainly a lot of American magazines those days, like Ebony, Essence, Jet. So I'll look in those magazines and then I'll try and copy what I saw in there on their hair. So I'd be like, oh, I think I could do this. And because she was only three years old, she... She always used to look at the stars in the mirror and say, oh, it's really nice. I thought I was really good. Yeah. Yeah. Of course, everything I did for her, she loved it. She was the perfect client. Yeah, the perfect <laughs> client. Because <laughs> she was so young as well. You could, yeah. you know, sit her down quietly. And, and you know, it was a bit of a catching up time. I was after yeah. how nursery was. And then she would say she missed mom. And then we'll, you know, we'll do something yeah. together. And I said, oh, you know. She's watching us. She's right here with us. You know, like, yeah, it was really oh. kind of, you know, it was really, I mean, I think at the time I didn't even realize that that's what we were doing. But now when you think about it, it was really trying to create that motherly thing, but without mum yeah. actually being present. Yeah. Yeah. So because of all of that that happened to me, I didn't do, you know, I didn't do that well on my exam right. at secondary school. So I remember the careers. Um, officer coming around and they sort of said um, you know what is it that you like to do and I just thought I actually feel like I'll be really good at doing hair so I jumped to all the the um, the job the job because um, they had like a all the different things you could do like apprenticeship you could go to college you yeah. could do YTS so I chose to go to the YTS scheme and do hairdressing yeah. and then luckily I had the interview at one of the first um, Afro hair salon to be open in the UK called Splinters. Splinters, I remember Splinters. Yeah, on Maddox. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I remember I'd never been to the West End before. Could you believe it? So at the age of <laughs> 15 and a half, when I was invited to come for the interview, I was like, yeah, this is a bright new world. Oh my God, look at all the bright light. Look at all these cool buildings. It was such an amazing experience. And as soon as I walked in there, I was like, Please, please, God, let him take me, let him, let him accept me. And I did get the job, and then that was how it all started. And then I, just, away, I just saw the, the Charlotte from sitting under the mango tree walking to the West End. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's that journey. It's a, it's a massive journey, isn't it? You know, and this little Charlotte with a little Charlotte. smile. Yeah. And then there she is walking into the West End. Walking into the West End and just looking at everything. Everything was like... Oh my God, Henny's, those days Henny's was like my favorite store. <laughs> yeah, because any put that I got, I'll be in that store, like shopping, 
Yeah. And I love the shop warehouse. I used to like those. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there were so many great things. You know, you come out of Oxford Circus, Chief Station on Agile Street, and then I walk down to Little Cobble Street and turn on Jerusalem Street, and then I'm on Maddox Street. I used to love, it was like, it was just so much happiness and the buzz there, the social aspect. Yeah. You know, it really made me happy because I didn't feel that great at school. So it was yeah. like, I felt school was so mundane. So being there was so, like, uplifting. And just meeting all of those other stylists and the juniors, it was just buzzing all the time. Yeah. The music and the clients that came in. So you had everyone from, like, Diana Ross to, you know, Bob Marley's kids. I mean, Janet yeah. Jackson, you name it. Everybody came to that salon. Yeah. So that was like, wow, why wouldn't I want to be in a space like this? Why would I want to, you know, not be here? So I loved it. And then, um, yeah, the, the rest has just been like, you know, just really working hard and just always wanting to be different. I always had this thing that I always wanted to make a difference, you know? Yeah. And whatever I do, I really want to do it the best, the best that I could possibly do it. So... I am just so happy that I found um, my passion in hair and, yeah. you know, that I'm able to even get this far and, and do more. You know, I want to do more. I want to um, really concentrate a lot more on my charity work because yeah. I, I really love when I, I do things to, to really help someone because to me that's the greatest reward. You know, and, and how does that, how, how, how does that um, work for you? You know, what, what do you okay, focus so on with your charity work? Yeah, so what I did was I set up a charity in my mum's name. So it's called oh, Love. Right. So it's actually, um, our website is almost finished. It should be up in a few days. So that would yeah. be good. And um, it's really to help because what happens, what's been happening is, it's almost like I took over my mum's role. So from about the age of 19, when I really started earning a little bit of money, I've always been helping like, my cousins back home. So I've like right. helped help, you know, cousins, child to go yeah. to school. I've set up like training, training like camps. Whenever I'm there, I would yeah. train them on like how to do like a haircut or how to do a round brush blow dry. I mean, they can all like do braids and yeah. lots of other good techniques. But when it comes to like a really good haircut, I think they find that very difficult because there's not really any good schools or any good salons that, I mean, there are salons, but it's not like you know, that kind of experience and no. the quality of the work and the standards are not as, as high. Even even in London, I feel like there's a lot of salons that cut corners. It's not really... Of course, yeah. Yeah. So that's why. And I felt like because I was given such an opportunity, you know, when I was younger, and that's what's really helped me today, I always felt like, you know, I've got to the level where I can actually also help someone so setting up that charity has, has really helped a lot of people that you know I know that have really suffered and had it really hard but they've learned something and, they, and they're able to, to help their families as well so even in wow. my salon in, in London in um, sorry in Portobello Road I have like wooden combs that some of these people that I've, I've trained or helped they've made them for me and I sell them in a salon but there's lots of things. There's lots yeah. of things. Yeah. That's, I love also, things like that. That's, yeah. You know. Also, one of the things I, I forgot to mention was the, um, the fact that, you know, I was quite young when I opened my first salon. So, you know, I had my son quite young, so I had him when I was 
22. I was quite a young mum. And obviously, when you work in salons, it's so long hours. And, yeah. You know, so I, because I, I wanted to be a good mum and still be able to raise my son well and support him, I, I began working for myself from quite a young age, from about, I think from about maybe 24, I started like renting a chair in a salon. Yeah. And then I built myself up. And then by the age of 28, I approached the Prince's Trust. And then right. they gave me funding and a grant to open my first salon. So I opened my first salon in 1999. Giving back and empowering people is the fact that I, I felt like meeting Winston in 1986 in the Western, and he gave me that opportunity to to work in the salon. Yeah. That that really empowered me, and that really gave me that solid foundation and that focus that I still have today. Yeah. So, of course. Yeah. So I, I I feel like I'm in a position now where I can you know, do that for others because how I actually got into wanting to start the charity was a job that I had in Tanzania about 10 years ago. And I remember one of the students that came to the um, the, 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 the project that we were doing because I was working for a hair brand. I think they were called Namaste at the time. Right. And basically... She lived so far from where the event was taking place, and the event was taking place at 8 in the morning. Stuart, could you believe she lived three hours away, so she started walking from 5 a.m. Oh, my God. To get to the class. When she told me the story, I started crying. I was like, yeah. I was like, no way, this is wrong. This is not yeah. right. And this is someone that was, like, so desperate to learn, and she was yeah. so humble. And even though she had walked, and where in Africa it's really hot and there's like a lot of red dust, all yeah. her legs were covered and her clothes were just full of dust because she's been walking for hours. Yeah. And that just broke me. And I was like, you know what, I am going to set up this charity and I will go around Africa everywhere I can, wherever I am, and I'll come to you. So we don't actually have a building. I just go around and teach and do talks. And I'm always there, like, encouraging them, empowering yeah. them, and just really... Just letting them like know that they can do it and not to lose hope and just keep going and that to me is so important in everything we do. Amazing, you know. Amazing. So, I, I I love that. Yeah, and I, yeah. I want I want you to come with me next time. I think it's listen. I, I'll definitely come. I don't because the yeah. two the two are sort of you know they're on a they're on a parallel, aren't they? You know the yeah, fact that it's it's amazing. you know what we do empowers people and and your story just then it just reminded me because. When we filmed the advert for the lottery for the um, haircuts for homeless, and we, yeah. we 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 filmed in Ipswich, and one of the young girls whose hair I cut, yeah. um, she said she had level two, uh, training up to level two, but then her circumstances changed, yeah. and she then had to you know become homeless and that she couldn't she couldn't carry on. Yeah. But when we first done the first academy where we wanted yeah. to get people off the street to to, to learn hairdressing, yeah. she was my first thought. But she used oh. to come on, on a train from Ipswich all the way to Bowdoin. Look, at that. Look you at know, that. Two trains to get yeah. there. I mean, I used to get the tickets for her, but she 
she, you know, she didn't miss a beat, you know, like yeah, she was on that's time. that's determination, that's what I mean. That, that, yeah. That determination, that drive, I saw it in that woman and, you know, yeah. she really pushed it. She really, she really pushed me to the point because it's something that I was thinking about because at the same time, I was also developing my product. So I had some great opportunities where clients would take me to Barbados, they'll take me to Africa, they'll take me to, like, all these amazing locations for their weddings. So that's how... I knew yeah. about the, the oils that I wanted to produce and I started working on it. So it was like a lot of things was happening. But meeting that one particular woman just made me realize that, oh, my God, it's now or never. And so she I doesn't mean, know. The yeah. Like the most the beautiful thing about that is that this woman doesn't know that she's the inspiration for all the people she's that you're going to help. Massive you know? inspiration. <laughs> massive. Yeah. And the that fact girl with that the dusty legs is the one... Dusty legs, <laughs> dusty legs, girl. You know. The sweat, the way she came in, yeah. and she still was so like humble. Like she, you know, she didn't come in and say, "Give me water or give me food." Yeah. But there was other people that lived nearby, and all they were interested in was the goodies that we had. Not even learning. But yeah. she came in, and she still, she did everything she was supposed to do. Yeah. And that, I remember just sitting in my hotel room and just sobbing. And I was like, Yeah no way, I'm going to do something. I really want to do something that is different. Um, of course, I don't have tons of money, so we don't have like a building, but whenever yeah. I'm in Ghana, I have lots and lots of friends. I have salons and, you know, I have friends that do different things. I'm always around them empowering the, the young people and just, you know, and some people are older as well where they've had kids and they've never really been able to hold down a job, so they now want to do something because their kids are older. So I'm always around them saying, look, you can do it. You know, I've yeah. to, you know I, I came from nothing. I came from an estate, but I pushed yeah. myself. And because I wanted it, I wanted it so badly. So the focus was like, you know, it was always about, yes, I want to make a difference. I have to, I have to be good. I have to do this. And even if I fall down, I still knew that there's a better tomorrow. So I just have to keep going. And I never, ever doubted myself, you know, never. You know, it comes across, I mean, and that thing of, um, it, it's not an easy thing, you know, no. when you do fall down and, and uh, you know, but if you've got that, that inner drive, that um, yeah. it will, yeah, it will it, it will get you up. Maybe a little yeah. bit longer some days than others, but you'll get there. <laughs> yeah, it's tough. I mean, life is tough. It's so up and down, you know, but yeah. for me, I always believe that, you know, you only have the one chance, you know, we're all here. Nobody knows how long we're here for. So just make every day count, you know, make every day count. It's tough, like, you know, especially during this whole pandemic and this lockdown, there's been so many things that's happened. And, you know, people can really throw you sometimes and they disappoint you and all the stuff that's going on. But you cannot lose focus. You have to, because that's all you've got. You know, that's all you've got. You've just got your mind. You have to always make sure that you're, you're, um, you know, you're mentally you know, well, and, and you've got the right people around you to also encourage you and to really um, support you. And, and, yeah. that's, and that's that's what really matters because at the end of the day, it's just you and you, you know. And you you just got to always, always win. Always, every day is a winning day. You've got to make it, <laughs> you know. I, I love that. You just yeah. said you've only got you and you. Yeah, you and I really like that, and it's not, yeah. it's not, it's not sort of to say that you're more important. It's the fact no. that you've got, you must be able to rely on yourself. 
Yes. You know. Yes. Because uh, I think that's how people fall, because they, they're always waiting for other people to, to almost give them permission. But why? Why? Why are you waiting yeah. for them? What makes their opinion or their, their, their um, what makes their, their, um, what they're saying more important than yours? You just have to believe in yourself. Yeah. And just keep working on what it is that you want and just keep getting better and better. And that's how you win, you know, because every day as we grow, every day as we grow, it becomes very, um, as we get older as well, life is more challenging because you meet more stuff on the way and it's how you cope with it and how you, um, you know, kind of move, you know, move in your journey. Because even with me having kids as well, they're like, my son's nearly 28 and you know, I'm always saying to him, look, you know, this is the time to really, you know, not buy so much stuff and think about your future. Yeah. You know, don't go and rent some expensive pad, but save. Stay at home as long as you can. Save money and yeah. buy your own place. But don't think that you're going to be like this forever because as you get older, it becomes more serious life. So yeah. you really need to um, just, just, you know, set the foundations right and, and you'd always win. But if you don't and you think that it's just going to, something from above is just going to fall on your lap, then boy, it's going to be, yeah. I mean, I think from, God, I feel like I've really been on a journey with you today. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but it was that strong, you said about foundations and that strong foundations in Ghana, wasn't it? Of the, you know, that's very crucial. There's a, there's a real... There's something there, isn't there, about that Definitely. structure, the discipline, yes. you know, the belief. The belief. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's what it's about, isn't it? It's about having that firm belief. You have to believe in yourself first and foremost. Yeah. Like, you know, and then everything else would come because you have it in you. I think we all have that power. We all yeah. have, like... Especially hairdressers, they're so multi-talented. It's amazing. You know, they have so much talent. We're superheroes, what are you talking superheroes, about? Superheroes. You know? <laughs> we are. I mean, we are just, like, unbelievable. And, like, I've read so many um, stories about hairdressers being the most happiest people, yeah. you know, in their jobs. You know, everywhere I've read it, it's always, oh, hairdressers have come top of the pole. They, you know, they are the most happiest people. Yeah. But at the same time as well, we can sometimes um, work ourselves to the ground. Yeah. Where you can, I meet hairdressers that they lack passion. They don't have that. And I'm like, why are you like that? And then I realize that they've just, they just been doing the same thing. So I think you just have to open yourself up and just, just be. Don't look at someone else and think that they're doing better than you, so you want to be them. Just find your path and just, yeah. You know, like for me, I had to challenge myself because that's the only way I feel. I feel like I'm, 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 you know, I'm, I'm winning in my goals. But if I just yeah. kept doing the same thing, I probably wouldn't, you know, feel as happy as I do. You know, it, because yeah, it must, it yeah. must have been a massive challenge getting the like to get the. I mean, it's not an easy thing to get a product range off the ground. Oh my God, Stuart, I'm so OCD. So it took me six years, right? Yeah. <laughs> it took me six years because I'm really into aesthetics and also I believe in performance that the product has to work. Because, yeah. you know, these clients that they come to the salon, they would always complain, oh, I like this, but it's too greasy. I like that, but I don't like the smell. I like this, but it leaves my hair crunchy. So I was like, wow, 
it's a lot, you know. So they yeah. basically are looking for something. That, that's all that they want, but just the one thing. Because most of them had about, like, a bloody shop in their house. Too many I know. Products. Yeah. Too many products. So I was like, well, you can't live your life like this. It's just chaos. There's so many things. How do you know what works? You know, because yeah. you've got so many of them. So then I began researching. So initially, my main ingredient was going to be sheer butter because growing up in Ghana, that's what my grandmother would use. She would even used to use it to cook. So it had so many good benefits. It was a good moisturizer. It was good for our hair. It was good for everything. But then by the time I got around to actually producing the product, Stuart, it was like sheer butter was everywhere. It was even in toilet yeah. roll. I was like, what? It's not all this exclusivity. It's got no... It's actually become like, you know... It's got no... It's not that special anymore. So then, luckily, I had that amazing trip to the Serengeti, which is yeah. this incredible place in Kenya. And I had a massage done, and the woman was talking to me about these oils. And the one particular oil that I loved was the Manketi oil. So I kept right. thinking myself, and I kept researching and researching. And even the initial start was like I was working with a freelancer because I was like, okay, I can't afford to go with a big company. And you know what? The freelancer, for some reason, it just, everything with this just, I just was never happy. It just kept going wrong. Right. And we just never got on. Like, we would have to meet him, and I'd say I don't like something. And he would just change it, like, within an hour. And I'm like, no, you need to go and think about it. You don't even know what you're doing. You're just rushing. So I spent, like, six grand with him. Yeah. And then that's when I realized that, you know what, I'm just going to go and find an actual big company that knows what they're doing and just yeah. pay for it. And then when yeah. I did find a big company, I had to go on a workshop. So I had to go on a workshop to learn, like, what is it that I want? What do I want it to look like? And then they learned a bit more about me. Like, who is Charlotte? What is uh, Charlotte about? What, kind, what yeah. type of hairdressing does she do? So that's how we were able to produce it. See, I'm giving all my secrets away now. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. You'll so, keep a few to yourself, I'm sure. <laughs> You're too shrewd for that, Charlotte. <laughs> Yeah, so that's how it, it took me six years, and it's all yeah. self-funded. And right. we, it, we've done so well with it. I mean, this lockdown has been, honestly, it's been one of the best, um, the best times for the product because I think about three days ago, um, someone mentioned, it was uh, one of my journalist friends was on this morning, and she mentioned it. She yeah. mentioned the product and um, the brush. And we sold so many brushes. I got so many emails in an hour. I was like, what's going on? Yeah. What's this? Yeah, what's happening? Yeah. 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 That's amazing. a power of TV. Power of media. Yeah. It's been yeah. amazing. And we've had some really good support from Space and Kane. They supported it. It's brilliant. Yeah. You know, lots of really nice shops that have, like, want to partner with us. So that's been amazing. Yeah. Really, really amazing. Hard work think, pays off. Yeah, it does. But you have to just be consistent as well because... Yeah. What I find with people as well, they start off like, oh, I want to do this. And then they just lose the focus. It's all over the place. Like the label's yeah. wrong. You know, the, the whole thing just looks just like a rush. And they yeah. want it so quickly. So there's no, there's no growth. You know, there's no, everything is a process. It takes time. And I think they just, I don't know what it is. They just feel like they're entitled to something. So they have to have it quickly. Yeah. And, you know, all the, I get people saying to me, oh, you're really lucky. I said, this is not luck. This is bloody hard work. 
You know, lucky it's when you find <laughs> you find a coin on the floor and it turns into like a palace or something. Yeah. It's yeah. all hard work. All yeah. hard work and also again, believing in yourself and being consistent. Yeah. I think um I still it's still I still keep going back to the to Ghana. <laughs> and this this the power the power yeah. of it is coming from there. And yeah. I think that maybe um, maybe our society is, is it's almost what's lacking because yeah. that strength and structure and faith. Yeah. I mean, look, look, look at the moment. Like, yeah. come Saturday. Yeah. Hair salons are open. Yeah. Pubs are open. Yeah. Everyone's super, super excited. Yeah. Um, churches aren't allowed to be open until <laughs> October. October, yeah. <laughs> what, where is that? Where are our priorities? What, what? I think, I think what, you know what it is as well? It's just, this whole thing about the social distance is like, I mean, sometimes I think to myself, you know, you queue up outside and then you go inside the supermarket and you're back to back with everyone and everyone's yeah. touching the onions and touching this and then you go and touch it. So yeah. where is this real social distance? I don't understand yeah. it, you know? So I get that in the church, you're all congregated together, but you could still do a church where people are sat apart, the same well, two meters or whatever it is, you know? You, you know, the, and that's the thing. It, yeah. I, you can't tell me that when the pubs are open, once everyone has a skin fold, they're not going to say, hang on a minute. <laughs> <laughs> they have that self-control once they've had a, their first booze up for three months. Well, it's not because they can take yeah. You know, that first sort of social yeah. booze They're all going to go mad, aren't they? Yeah, you know, listen, but but some, heaven forbid some, we all go to church and start singing together. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know yeah. I'm not really a church guy myself, but I think for the people who it's important to, yeah. it drives it, it, it up there on our priorities. You know, like, it, I don't it, understand it. Yeah, it's just it's it's each to their own and what works for everyone. It's yeah, everyone has their thing, and I think for some people they just don't really go to pubs or socialize in the club or so the yeah. church is like they that upliftment for them. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, a, they sing, they dance. You know, it it, it lifts yeah. their spirit. And I mean, I I there's a church. I love churches, and yeah. one of the things I do even some of the countries that I visit. Like, I like going to Greece because it has a lot of churches and they have yeah. a lot of really old churches there. So I just like just going to look at them in the, like, museums. I just love it. Yeah. And I always feel really special when I'm in a church. Like There's a feeling like, in the presence. Yeah. There's just like that. that like, even yeah. if it's a complete non I think even an atheist would feel something in a church. Yeah. You know, like, because there's this, this sort of atmosphere. It um, is. It's very... It's very kind of, um, for me, it really lifts me. It lifts my spirit yeah. a lot. And I always feel kind of like everything's going to be fine. Like affirmation, yeah. you know, real affirmation. Yeah. And also, I feel like when I go to church on a Sunday, I have the most easiest week. The right. Sunday that I don't go to church, my, I have the toughest week. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, there's something. It's yeah. like a, a food. It's like a... I need to be spiritually fed. Yeah. And once I go in there and I, I feed my soul and it's really like yeah. overflowing, 
it's easier. Like right. no, no clients get on my nerves. No good clients on my nerves. <laughs> <laughs> you, you've got your suit of armour on. See? <laughs> I've got, got my spiritual armour. <laughs> but the moment that the weeks that I don't go, it's yeah. like, wow, what a tough week, you know? <laughs> yeah. But then what I tend to do is, well, if I haven't been, I tend to, like, I love gospel music. So yeah. I'll put it on in the background. And just, for me, it's yeah. always about getting that aura around you, having that nice positivity in the atmosphere. And also, just, you know, just it, it's so tough for people out there. Some people have lost their jobs. And you're yeah. meeting all sorts of things. Like, there's so many stories at the moment of what's happening. So I guess if you're kind of like quite, you know, you're spiritually filled, it's easier for you to help someone. Of course, you know. Yeah, it's so important. It's so yeah. important. Yeah. Like, it, it, it it sounds very similar to me because I'm not, I'm not, I don't, I'm not a church Yeah. But I'm in, you know, like I'm, I'm so, I'm 14 years sober, so I'm in recovery, and yeah. a big part of recovery is all of that stuff. It's, it's being spiritually well. And, yeah. you know, and we have tools, we have meditation, and we, yeah. you know, and there's days, and then as you say, there's weeks when you, you let it slide, and then you just don't perform as well. Yeah, you don't perform as well. Just the negativity gets in. It is. You know. And it's yeah. that kind of stinking thinking, I call it, you know? Yeah, oh, yes, <laughs> thinking, thinking. Thinking, yeah. thinking, you know? Yeah. So it's like, you just start thinking, oh, I can't, no, I'm not doing it. And then before you know, it just spirals into like, <laughs> So it's really, yeah, it's it's like a, it's almost like it's a discipline for your life, isn't it? Yeah. It's a discipline and you stay within that, you know, the rules. It's like, this yeah. is the rule, this is what you have to do. And the moment you don't do it, it's like everything's yeah. falling apart. So, yeah. It's really, it's really, yeah. Uh, do you know what? I, we, we're sort of coming up to it, like the hour mark. And no, that was quick. I know, it, like, it, I know, I know. Yeah. But, um, so I did want to make sure before we finish, uh, you tell me about your book. Um, yeah, it, it, you, so you was, yeah. Tell me, tell me, tell me. It's incredible. So the book is something that I've been working on since 2018. So it's been about two years, and um, yeah. it's like a very comprehensive guide to Afro pearly, uh, you know, and textured hair. But mm. it also has a lot of my own self in there. So. I talk a lot about me growing up in Ghana, yeah. joining my mum at the age of 11, and and all the in-betweens of, you know, me being a young mum. It's got so much in there, and it's got lots of this jam-packed, like, with lots of tips and tricks. Right. I always find that people say, how do you do this then? How do you yeah. do that then? So there's a lot of tips and tricks. And then I have, like, lots and lots of um, pages on, like, making your own products. Right. So then I'll say, okay, what do you have in the kitchen? Let's use a bit of olive oil with a bit of avocado. Let's mash it up together. It's it's really, really a nice book. It's very uplifting. Yeah. So it's for anyone. Whether It's not just, of course, it is about curly and Afro hair, but it has a lot on just life and life skills. So anyone can pick it up and read it. And wherever you are in your life, it will just empower you to just, to just get up and do you, which I feel like we're all here to do. To do. <laughs> I can't <laughs> wait to read it. Yeah, you're going to love it. I'd love to do a book reading with you, actually. We should oh. do one. Yeah, oh, of course, one. Yeah. 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 You're going to love it. Wait. You're going to laugh so much because 
I'm always a little bit of a comedian, so there's a lot of my little one-line jokes in there. We're definitely gonna we're gonna join forces. Yeah, and we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna travel to Ghana, aren't we? Definitely, I yes. want to do something, and then we'll yeah, we will. Like, we will yeah, definitely yeah, team up. Yeah, that would be so amazing. Yeah, so amazing. Yeah. the homelessness in Ghana is different to the homeless. Um, the homelessness in, um, in in the UK, but it's still homeless people, so we can yeah. really do something different, like on the road in Africa, which is so good. Oh, Everybody I can't wait. Watch it. I have to get a DVD <laughs> to, to come I can put a documentary coming on. Yeah, yeah, I can't wait. <laughs> I'll leave that in your corner. <laughs> I'll delegate that one to you. I'm sure you'll make it happen in the next Listen, <laughs> I'll make it happen, because I love anything like that, anything that has... Oh, that is so interesting. It's so much yeah. more interesting than watching, yeah. you know, a Hollywood film. This is reality, you know, it's, yeah. it's, it's real and it's, it's yeah. so much more interesting. And a lot of the homeless people, I find them very, very intelligent. Like oh, some of yes. the best conversations I've had is with a guy, I have a friend outside Tesco. Yeah. So sometimes if I cook and I have too much, like too much left over, I always wrap it up and bring it for him. Mm. And he's so interesting. I find it more interesting than a lot of people like me. Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, you're going to have to join us on on one of our projects. You'll meet some of them. As soon as we can get Whitechapel open again, uh, you'll love it. Excellent. I want to be there. I want to be there. I'm ready. You'll love it. Well, my darling, I I cannot think of a better way. Uh, You've you've filled me full of positivity. Excellent. I've I've been from a journey from the mango tree all the way to the West End, and yes. I've enjoyed every moment. And oh, brilliant. <laughs> thank you so much for your time. I know you're so busy getting ready for the yes. weekend, but um, I really appreciate it, and um, yeah. thank you again. Oh, it's been amazing. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Oh, okay. Just over five years ago, I did something that changed my life. What it did, more than I could have ever realised... It helped me. I have met some absolutely amazing people. Some of the people that work in some of these places. Many of them are volunteers, but some of them, it is their job. This is more than a job. This is a calling. 